הרי נמי כאשר אטמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתים שבתוכנות כל הצדיקים האמיתים שוכני עפר קדושים השבה ארצמה ובבחן רבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם נחן נובע מכל חוכמה רבנו נחמן יוצא גמת שמחה נא נח נחמן נחמן אומן זכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן שברוך השם we start with תורת ט"ז תורה 16 we're going to do a few lessons today בעזרת השם starting with a beautiful lesson תורה 16 היקשו they asked מפני מה כשהאדם מבקש פרנסה, אין לו נותח מן השמיים? כי אם על ידי סיבות, לכל אחד לפי סיבתו. They asked, why is it that when a person asks for livelihood, when he asks God for livelihood, they do not give, him, give it to him immediately from the heaven. Rather, but only through causes. They only give it through reasons. Meaning, like, uh, they don't give him the פרנסה immediately from the heaven, like the man, but rather... Um, through work or through other different methods and and uh, and uh, ways in which they give him panasa through that like a, a different vessel but not directly each and every person according to whatever uh, method and reason God decides this person needs to plant grain to plow and to harvest that's how he makes his his livelihood and this person needs to travel and to find the needs of his livelihood over there etc etc there's always these different types of reasons depending on which person and which person is working in which craft etc that will determine his livelihood so they ask why is it that a person does not receive his livelihood immediately and why does it have to be through these sorts of sibot and why don't they give it to him immediately why don't they give it to him immediately at the time when he's asking for his livelihood literally ready why don't they give it to him Completely prepared. And the answer, that all the parnasa of the Jewish people needs to be received through the Melech, the king. Look in the Midrash Chaba, Parashat Pinchas, and Tbron Peresh Rashi, over there. Um, as brought down in Daniel, chapter 4, as it says about the king, uh, the tree which you saw, which grew and became strong. And there was sustenance for all in this tree. And it is you, O king. Meaning what? That the king is this aspect of the tree which gives sustenance to all. And the essence of malchut kingship is through humility. Before honor comes humility. And the honor of kingship must have this concept of humility. Within it. That the essential honor and greatness of the kingship comes through humility specifically. For such is the manner of kingship every single time. That one must proceed his glory and his greatness with um, humility. Just like every single day when a person gets up from his bed. That at that moment, he's in this constriction. He's in this small state. That he's dressed in small garments, in garments that aren't very royal. And his face is not refreshed or clear before he washes it. And afterwards, he fixes himself and he dresses in royal garments. And then he spreads that greatness out. Meaning that he... he um, 
puts upon himself greatness, like the way of a king. This is the way it progresses throughout the day, when you wake up, to when you wash yourself, to when you put on clothing, etc. Meaning that before kingship, and before you begin to make yourself beautiful, this idea of kingship, you have to first start with humility, which is the idea of waking up. And when you wake up, you're not in the best state. This is what Why did the kingship of Shaul not endure? Because he had no fault. Because we don't appoint a leader over the congregation. Unless he has a checkered background. Should he become arrogant? We can say to him, Omrimlo, turn to what's behind you. Meaning that if Shaul was perfect, because Shaul was perfect, as we know that he had no sin basically, because of that it could not endure because we had nothing to blackmail Shaul, worst case, with. If he acted too arrogantly, we could not say anything badly about him because he did not have any, some, he didn't have something fishy. But if a person He's not perfect, and um, um, he has faults. Then we can always say to him, if he if he becomes arrogant, that this is the problem, this is the problem, this is it, and um, we can always tell him, like, look what we have on you. Because the essence of kingship comes through humility. So Shaul could not. It's not like we could humble Shaul with something that he that wasn't necessarily good about him because he was he was quite. Uh, yeah, he didn't have any faults. Um, and the more the king has humility the further his rule extends and therefore when sustenance is drawn down through the king it undergoes refinements for example grain the animals eat much from the grain and then after it's refined even more and then the goyim eat from the grain until it's refined to the point where the Jew eats from the grain and even in the food there is refinement until that food is refined and becomes beautiful words Meaning the brachot that we bless upon the food at the beginning, at the end. And we pray and we serve God with the strength of the food that we just ate. And this, uh, and this is the aspect of what Bereshit when Yaakov blesses Asher and Naftali. Now, what did he say? Yaakov blesses Asher, saying, Me Asher from Asher, His bread will be rich. And he'll provide kingly delicacies. Naftali is a hind let loose, which brings forth beautiful words. So we see this idea of what we're talking about here, fatty bread. This means livelihood, which is, this, which is um, the delicacies of the king. Why? Because we receive our livelihood through the aspect of the king, as we said above, as we saw in Daniel. And therefore, immediately after the aspect of Panasa and the king, it mentions what? Meaning, in Naftali, 
gives forth beautiful words, meaning the beautiful words which emerge from the blessings and our prayers that we do on the food, which is done through the refinement of the kingly delicacies, meaning the food that the king bestows upon us. And these refinements that take place are the aspect of the Torah, the incense, the most precious of all the sacrifices before God. As is known, um, in Priyat Chayim and Shara Kavanot, in the Pitum Torah mentions over there, Shek Torah Hi Bechinat Berurim, the Torah represents this aspect of Berurim, refinement. And from these beautiful words which are created from the kingly delicacies, Naase Attara Le'amelech, we create a king, a crown to the king. And now we're able to see this crown. And this is symbolic of what is said in of what is said in Shia Shirim. go out and see the daughters of Tzion Go out, daughters of Tzion, go and see the king Shlomo with the crown that his mother crowned him with. On the day of his wedding, the day of his heart's rejoicing. Meaning, go out, daughter of Tion, to go see the crown of the king that was created on the day of his wedding. Because the, the joining together that takes place of the beautiful words with the king. This is the aspect of the wedding. When these beautiful words combine with the aspect of the king, this creates a chatuna, a wedding. He whose speech is gracious, has the king for his companion. Meaning, one who has gracious speech, which is Imre Shefer, beautiful words, has has the king as a companion. Meaning, whenever, um, what do you call it? We're going to see here, that the grace of the lips, of the words, meaning those beautiful words we mentioned, joins together with the king in the aspect of companionship. This is what is the aspect of the day of the wedding. That is the wedding. This is what it says, on the day of his heart's rejoicing. This represents the ketoret. As it says, the oil and the ketoret gladden the heart. Because the refinement which create these beautiful words, which then create this crown upon the king, this is the aspect of the ketoret. These refinements are the ketoret. And this is why it says in the verse, that his mother crowned him, uh, crowned him with, this represents Chava. Why Chava is the mother? Because it says in Bereshit, chapter 3, that she is the mother of all living things. Because Chava is an acronym for the phrase, as brought in Tehidim, chapter 103. Who crowns you with kindness and mercy. Chava represents the crowning. She is the one who crowns. This represents the crown we mentioned above that is put on Shlomo, the king. Which is created. How do you create the crown? Through this. Through this verse. It's brought down at the end of the verse. Who satisfies you with fine delicacies. Meaning the delicacies of the king. That is how the crown is created. Whenever the king 
um, gives you the delicacies, which is how the king gives a person his livelihood. And the crux of this lesson is missing. The crux of this idea is missing. And the main idea is what? That a person needs to see the king. As it says in Yeshaya, your eyes will hold or will behold, your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Meaning when the king is in his beauty and his greatness, and not at the time of his constriction. And if Hashem gave him, if God the king gave this person his livelihood immediately, automatically, prepared bread already, literally bread at your, at your doorstep, it will be possible that you'd see the king at the time of his constriction. Meaning at the time when the king is humbled or humbles himself and he thinks of himself as not having a perfect background, meaning uh, something that we can um, hold over him. So if they were to give the parasa immediately to the person, then this person would be capable of seeing the king at times when actually we shouldn't see the king. Because as we said in the verse in Yeshaya that we should only see the king in his beauty and his greatness. But not at the time of his constriction. And it continued, but now that we give the panasa to this person, that Hashem gives the panasa to this person through sibuvim, or um, that they give the panasa to this person through methods and reasons. That we see that the livelihood comes at uh, certain times, unique times. Because each and every siba, each and every method or reason needs a certain time. Until the panasa leaves to the other person, to the per, to the intended subject, intended subject. And therefore, we will not come to see the king in his constriction. Only when he's beautiful. Because we're not giving, or this person is not giving the panasa immediately. Only at a certain time. So that he should only see the king in the perfect time. So that specific time is perfect because it enables the king to basically... Get himself together and to look beautiful. As it says, the king in his glory, in his beauty. Because through livelihood, we see the king with the crown. As we said above. And this secret is hinted in the verse in Tehidim. The eyes of everyone are looking to you in hope. You give to them their food in its time. Open up your hands, etc. As we see in the verse, what does it mean? The eyes of everyone. This is the question we mentioned above. Meaning, the question we mentioned above, everyone's looking to you, but you only give them their food in their time. Meaning, why are you giving them the food only um, in its time? Meaning, why don't you give it to him? to them immediately? Why did it have to be at a certain time? As we said above the question that this person is asking for his livelihood and God is only giving it to him at a certain time, not immediately. And the answer is, Open up your hands and he satisfies the will of every living thing. And Rabbanu did not finish the explanation of the answer, how that verse hints to us the answer. But nonetheless, we still see this idea 
which is very, very uh, powerful. Torah Yudzayin. A person needs to be very careful, to be very happy, and to have a good heart on Shabbat. Because the great holiness of Shabbat is very precious and great, as brought down specifically in the book Reshit Chochma by Rabbi Yehoshua Midivash. In Shah Kdusha, in the gate of Kdusha, that section of the book, Shah Kdusha, at the beginning, Ayan Sham, look over there. And it's fitting and proper to go learn in this book, Reshit Chochma, at that gate, Shah Kdusha, at the beginning. And to pay close attention over all the things that are mentioned over there with regard to the holiness and sanctity of, um, of the Holy Shabbat. And by the way, Rabbeinu doesn't really mention in Likut Moran to go look at that book. <laughs> this might be one of the only lessons where he says this. So, we can see here the greatness of this book, Reshit Chochma. Rabbeinu spoke very highly about this book and recommended everyone read this book. It's a book that instills lots of fear of heaven and lots of Ava. A very important book for a person who wants to come close to holiness. Because there's many specific, unique things about the preciousness and greatness of Shabbat. Because every single subject and beautiful thing we mention over there about Shabbat is a thing of its own. And understand this very well. Understand that book very well. In order that your heart grows its passion to accept and receive the Shabbat with great joy and intense uh, happiness. And through this, fear will be in its proper state. If you accept the Shabbat with Simcha, fear is in its proper state. And what does it mean to have fear in its proper state? As we saw, if I'm not mistaken, in Lesson 15 of Likutu Moran or something of the sort, this idea that uh, Yira's source is Da'at, and Yira is perfect whenever it's combined with Da'at. Because during the weekday, it's possible that a person has fear of God with ksilut, with foolishness. Surely your fear is your foolishness. Meaning that your fear is incomplete, it's still uh, combined with foolishness. And the essence of foolishness is because of the servitude that happened during the six days of the week. Meaning, because we have to go to work and we have to serve the gashmiut of this world, the physicality of this world, that we fall into foolishness. Because through servitude, that is not complete. And it says about Moab in Yermiyah, chapter 48, Moab has been at ease from its youth. And he never went into exile. Therefore, its flavor has remained. And as we saw this idea in uh, lesson 10, uh, book 2 page uh, 12b because through servitude and exile which is the 6th day of the week your dad your consciousness is confused you don't have proper knowledge of God you're lacking that 
perfect state of that. But Shabbat is freedom. And when there's freedom, and there's obviously no servitude and exile, because freedom is the exact opposite, then your da'at is complete. And the essence of freedom is through the joy and the happiness of Shabbat. Chapter 58. Then you shall um, have pleasure in God. Which is said about Shabbat. And then that oneg, that joy of Shabbat, creates his freedom. Your da'at is complete and it's in its perfect state. Then fear is in its proper state. As it's brought down in Tikkun Azor, Tikkun 9. As it says, Bereshit is a play on the word, Yareh Shabbat, fear Shabbat. Meaning that your fear on Shabbat is in its perfect state because it's combined with that. Because once you accept Shabbat with Simcha, and you have Oneg of Shabbat, you have true Simcha on Shabbat, you have Cherut freedom, and freedom allows you to have your Da'at there. Allows you to possess Da'at. Because then, Yareh Shabbat, the fear of Shabbat, means that the fear of Shabbat is without any foolishness. Up, which is not true of the six days of the week. Because the essence of foolishness is because the main reason we have foolishness is because of servitude. And with this, the Simchav Shabbat, we're able to elevate those fallen fears that we have. What does that mean, fallen fears? The reason why we, or fallen fears are all those fears that, for example, we fear sometimes from a certain officer, a nobleman, a king, or this or that. Because through that, where we exalt that fear, and now it's with consciousness, so that we don't fear things that we should not fear. So we only fear God. And the essence of that is on Shabbat, through joy, through Simcha. That through joy of Shabbat, we have freedom. And then that is perfect. Therefore, the main idea is what? That we need to behave with lots of joy on Shabbat. And not to show any sadness or worries at all. To have real pleasure in God and to engage and to increase in the joys of Shabbat with all sorts of enjoyment. Whether it's food or drink, whether it's uh, clothing, whatever ways we can. Because the food of Shabbat, the eating of Shabbat, is entirely spiritual. It's completely divine. It's entirely holy. And the food of Shabbat ascends to a completely different place than the food of the week. As we know, that the food of Shabbat ascends to the mind, and the food of the week ascends to the liver, giving strength to anger and all that stuff. But the food of Shabbat is completely different. It's completely spiritual. So we have to engage with as much simcha as possible. Rabbeinu continues, It's the way of God to look at the good which people do. And even though God finds within these people something which is not good, He does not look at this because it says in Bamidbar, chapter 23, He does not look at the wickedness in Yaakov. Meaning Hashem chooses not to look at the bad that we do. All the more so must the person, is a person forbidden to look at the bad which a friend does. To find within someone specifically the good, the, the bad things which he does. 
or to search within him all the blemishes within his service. It's forbidden to do such a thing, to, to try to find all these things that a person doesn't do very well. It's actually on the contrary. We are, up, we are obliged to look only at the good. And because of this, it's very good that there's something called nature and providence. Meaning, because when a person does something good, then a person is governed by God's divine providence. And God forbid when a person does not do good. If God were to govern this person by divine providence, he would not be able to receive anything good. So what happens? Because if God's divine providence, um, which is completely, uh, what do you call it, just, and it's God the one deciding it, if he sees that you're not doing good, he won't give you good. And if you do good, you're going to get good. So if a person does good, what Hashem decides to do is he decides to govern this person's life with Hashem, with divine providence, meaning Hashem will decide um, according to the good that he does that he will get good in return. But when a person does not do good, what does God decide to do? He decides to leave him under the realm of nature. And it's possible that this person can receive good things through the aspect of nature. And if there is only divine providence, it's possible that providence would be completely nullified if it was only providence. Why? Because when, if God were to see that a person is not behaving properly, he would get angry. He would remove his divine providence completely. But now, what did he do if a person is not behaving properly? He places him under the, the realm of nature. And therefore, when he returns back to God, God decides to pay attention to him and to, to guide him in divine providence. And the truth is, Rabbi says, we cannot understand what is nature and providence and the difference between them. Because the truth is, Nature in itself is also God's divine providence. That the way God decided nature would work is also His providence. So we see that everything is divine providence actually. And there's no such thing as nature. And these, it's impossible for a person to understand these two things as one. Meaning nature which is actually in truth God's divine providence. Because everything is under the realm of God. We just cannot understand how this all works. This is a very big paradox that we can only understand once we leave the bounds and realm of this world. Torah Yudchet, Torah 18, the final lesson for today. It is very dangerous to be renowned, to be famous, and to lead the world, to become a leader. This goes without saying in the case of a person who's not fitting at all to be a leader. That's obvious. And he wears a talit that is not his. But even those who serve God truthfully, the great people of the generation, they have great dangers if they were to lead the world. Because a simple man, he's very far from transgressing the sin of murder. Even if he's not an upright person, because he has no desire for this whatsoever. Even if he were to be placed in a situation like that, if he were to reach the time when he would have a desire to murder, may God spare us, he would not be able to do it. 
he would have so many obstacles um, before he would accomplish this because there's no way he would even end up doing it. And even if we were to transgress the sin and do murder, it is very, very rare. And most likely, no more than once in his entire lifetime. This is saying about any single big sin. But when a person leads the world and he creates novelties in Torah, he is literally able to transgress stealing, adultery, murder. All these three sins. These tremendous sins. At each time, at any single moment. May God spare us. We cannot even imagine what that means. The amount of influence a person who, has a lead, who is a leader has. And how he can literally be responsible for murder, for theft, for adultery. And all these tremendous sins which a simple person who serves God in simplicity without any um, positions of authority cannot really transgress. And even if you were, it would be very, very rare, very distant. Um, so, Rabbeinu says, be very careful. Be very careful of taking great positions and becoming a renowned person because you can see that you put yourself in great danger. That's it for today, Bezrat Hashem. And we'll start next lesson with Torah 19.